Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc podcast. Today, I have Lauren Boyd, founding attorney at Guide My Business. And we're going to talk about something that's not our norm at the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, but I think it's going to be so helpful for so many of you. I'm actually really excited to learn myself. We're going to be talking about protecting your intellectual property. We're going to be talking about protecting your brand, protecting your business, about really figuring out what are the legal steps that you need to take to make sure that you're you're all in the right place. I know so many of you are creating your own startups, are creating nonprofits, have your own businesses, have a side hustle. And so Lauren is here to help us with all of that. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And like, what a great audience. I feel like I'm stepping into this new mom space and I have so much to learn. So tell me about what made you excited to start your business and what made you really passionate about helping business owners to basically protect their their organizations that they have that they started. To be honest, I I think I always knew I would own a business. I just didn't know what it was going to be. I have not always wanted to be a lawyer. In fact, I went to finance school for finance and entrepreneurship. And it was during the time of my entrepreneurship program that it really sparked my interest in being legal counsel for businesses because we had mock legal counsel from third-year law students. And it just clicked. It was like, that's what I want to do. So I went to law school. I did the corporate law thing. I negotiated large international contracts, kind of felt that pressure that, you know, in order to continue to climb the ladder, I was maybe going to need to move. My husband is a physician. So not really easy. It's not easy for me to just for us to pick up our life and move. I was dating him at the time, but I remember we were having dinner. I was obsessed with him. I still am. (laughs) He's a great dad. He's a great husband. But when we were dating, I was pretty sure like it was, we we were going to end up together. And I said, I think I have this crazy idea. I think I want to quit my law. I want to quit corporate law and I want to start my own law firm. And he, I was like, should you, can you move in and help me pay the mortgage? Cause I just bought my own house the year before <laughs> and he did. So I obviously married him because he's a great guy. Whoa. And <laughs> that gave me the like, you know, kind of safety net of, you know, I, I had, you know, I'd saved up some money and, you know, now I had him kind of helping with the expenses and he moved in and, and I kind of, I put in my notice and I literally remember like the first Monday where I was unemployed, I guess, opening my computer and being like, so how do you start a law firm? <laughs> you Googled it. You watched some YouTube videos about it. What's next? <laughs> you know I what? mean, obviously, you know what? that's how people, I feel like 
how they do this. I mean, that's what I did. I'm like Googling, like, do I need a checking account, a business checking account? <laughs> My mom gave me $3,000 to put into a business checking account. That's how modern mommy dog started, you know? <laughs> no, I think that's the thing. Like we, we assume everyone has it all figured out. They don't teach you how to start a firm in law school. I had the background of family who are entrepreneurs. I had obviously had a, a degree in entrepreneurship, but it's so different when you're like, feet on the ground, ready to start. It doesn't look like any book. It's something you figure out on the fly because it's like a domino effect. Like one thing leads to another. So I had a good idea. I had a couple of people I could kind of chat with, but still to this day, I'm the only attorney from my graduating class. And I've been graduated for longer than I'm willing to admit. I'm the only person who owns my own firm. Everyone else still works for somebody else or works in house now or has moved around. I'm still the only person from my own firm. And I think it's a testament to, you know, people just assume like it's, it's entrepreneurship's easy or, you know, they see people doing it, but once you get into it, it's really hard. So I think I resonate with my clients really well because I get it. I wear all the hats. I like think all the things like I'm typing notes to myself in my phone about like something random, you know, at 10 o'clock at night. So I get it. I understand how it can be really intimidating. I understand how legal can be really intimidating, but I hope today we make it feel a lot more empowering and that they feel like a lot of this is really, I think a lot of the foundational elements of our business is such a mindset shift Mm -hmm. and it's not, it doesn't need to be scary. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. Why do people need to think about the legal aspect of their business sooner versus later in their entrepreneurship journeys? Absolutely. So we'll start with like the brand concept first, right? Oftentimes, like the first thing you do before you do anything else is like come up with your business name and you're so excited. Obviously, I did the exact same thing when I came up with my firm name, Guide My Business. I liked it because it felt comfortable and approachable. People also knew I don't do divorce law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, to me, like, I really like it. And so you want to make sure that you own your brand. I know sometimes when we start small, we're like, well, I'll get there. But oftentimes it, these days, it doesn't take much to get traction. One, you could go, you know, viral with one reel. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, kind of this captive audience and your audience has grown. And some of us like we have grown slowly. I'm a very referral based business. And so mm-hmm. it's always been kind of a gradual growth, which has been great. So you don't have to be one or the other. But building to where all of your investments and your time and your energy in that brand recognition that you're putting out into the world, you don't want those to be for nothing. And I've been on the other side of the phone, unfortunately, when a client calls me up and they're like, I got a cease and desist letter. I swear I didn't know. And it's Mm -hmm. in the exact same industry. It's the exact same name. And now they're having to kind of rebrand with someone breathing down their neck. It doesn't feel good. It's really not a good experience. And I would, so what I would prefer is people be proactive. When you're dreaming up your business, set aside a little bit of money to make the initial investments that are going to be there for the long term. Mm-hmm. Your business name is one of them. So protecting your business name in a way that is unique in your industry, that sets you apart so that consumers aren't confusing you with another business. And it's going to allow you to grow and scale. We have so many business owners that license themselves, that have like the franchise, that have had this growth that they didn't expect when they started. 
But if you set yourself up with a really strong foundation, the world's kind of your oyster. You can do what naturally feels right over time. And what we're talking about, just for people who aren't sure what she was mentioning, you tell me if I'm correct, is basically if you have the same name as somebody else, you're offering the same services as somebody else. And who knows if they started before you or you started before them, but they have gone through the trouble of making it legally so that they are secure in terms of their brand identity. And then they come at you and say, listen, you have to stop doing what you're doing because I actually own all of, I own the name and I also own the ability to put out this information to other people. Is that right? 100%. And so the way you own it, we like to say own your brand. The way you own your brand is with a registered trademark. And the reason that this has more power than having the Instagram handle, having the domain name, even having the name as a registered LLC in your state is because it's put on a national registry. No, not all of us are sitting there checking the national registry. I get it. But because the registry exists, it's called constructive notice. It's basically we've put the world on notice that we exist. We own our brand in that industry for those particular goods and services that we're using it with. And it gives you exclusivity. It's an incredible tool to really build and scale your business and and kind of really... I would say starting from the ground up, there's so many people that are like, I'm going to do when I make money, but I want you to do it before you start making those big investments. The first thing we all rush out to do is like build our website and get our logo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't want you to invest money in something that is not yours to own. That maybe I've had this happen. People have finished their logo, their whole logo suite, spent lots of money and then got a cease and desist letter. And I don't play fear tactics but I just want to, I want to shift the, what's important. What's yeah. important these days is owning your intellectual property. And that's everything from your brand name to the content that you're putting out to the secrets behind the product that you make. Mm-hmm. That is the value that we all bring to the table. And that is actually what you sell. Like when you hear people sell their business, they're right. not actually like really selling like their business. They're sa- selling the assets and some of the liabilities of their business. And the the biggest asset in almost every transaction that I've been in is intellectual property. That is the main driver of the value. So I think sometimes we discredit ourselves in what we bring to the table, all Mm -hmm. of the, our mind, our experience, our content, what we're putting out into the world. We don't put, we don't put the right value behind it, but almost that's the, almost the number one value, most valuable thing you have. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I think once I went out into the speaking world is where I realized that the most is that it's really the ideas you're bringing that people will pay you bigger bucks for is, you know, and so if someone else can take that from me, like (laughs) that, that reduces your value significantly. Tell me, because I know there's people thinking, yeah, 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 it sounds like a great idea, but that sounds really complicated and super costly. So talk us through what does that actually look like? How much work does the business owner have to do versus the attorney can do or a group could do for them? And then what does it cost? About, you know, generally, I'll give you kind of generalities, right? It's, It's different with everyone. Okay, so what I would say is, Put aside, if you're going to hire somebody, mm-hmm. I would probably put aside two grand. And it sounds like really, and I, I remember being there, two grand sounds really expensive. 
two grand is about, I don't know, several attorneys in this space about industry standard for the services because they actually last for a whole year. Not only do they start with generally a comprehensive trademark search. That's what our team starts with. Mm -hmm. So we do a deep, deep dive on the web blogs, business filings, trademarks, all the things. And we say, we took your industry, your goods and services and your brand element that, you know, this mark that you want to use, we took and we searched the searched the web and it's a deep search. And mm-hmm. this is what came back. And that information allows you to make a really informed decision and allows us to make the most strategic application possible to the best likelihood of coming out with this with a registered trademark. Mm-hmm. So we like to do that because if, so for example, difference between if you hire someone and if you do yourself, you can absolutely do some of your own searches on the USPTO.gov website okay. and like type your business name, type different versions of it. If it's kind of a playoff of a different spelling, type the alternate spelling, type those different pieces and see what comes back. That's a really great place to start. Do a Google search. Great place to start. We essentially do that, but just on a more extensive basis and you get your information in two weeks. What Mm -hmm. people often mistake and and they do is they go straight to the USPTO and they put in an application. They're like, I'm just going to put it in and we'll see what happens. The problem there is it actually right now is taking six months before you hear the first word back from the USPTO. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really long time. And I just want people to ask themselves, where will the business be in six months and how many investments are they going to make in the meantime in yeah. their brand recognition? Yeah. If it's going to be a lot, you might want to consider having someone that can help you up front so that you have that information in two weeks. If it's, yeah, I think you actually have a really great mm-hmm. shot or you know what? This one's going to be hard. We've had people af- after our feedback change names, mm-hmm. completely rebrand. We've had people that are like, all right, I feel super good because we didn't mm-hmm. find anything. Mm-hmm. So it's a wide range. So we're going to start with a search, whether it's you do that with an attorney or you do it yourself. Then we file the application. It takes about six months to hear from the USPTO's examining attorneys. And then from there, if everything's good, it'll go what's called publication. There is a national gazette that these, all of the, uh, you know, published mm-hmm. trademarks go into. And it's basically putting people on notice like, Hey, this is your last chance, you know, to, compl- you know, to, to, re- to oppose this. If not, it's going to be a registered mark. It does that for 30 days and then it becomes a registered mark in between there. If there's any problems, the examining attorney will release office actions. And sometimes what happens is we have people that kind of do the messy action. They go ahead and they file themselves mm-hmm. and then they get an office action and it comes back with all these like case sightings and they get a little overwhelmed right. and then they reach out to our team. Know that whichever way you do, whether you start with an attorney, you know, of course you get the benefit of a little bit more strategic application, but know that even if you make it to the office action and then you need a little support, you've done a good job. So don't feel like there's a one size fits all or that you have to do it a specific way. If you feel really comfortable with your research, go for it. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I encourage people, there's always a place for some messy action and I'm a big fan of DIY. So, okay. And then what? actually needs to have the trademark for a business like obviously the brand name and then yes. the the logo potentially and then how about like if people are offering individual programs or courses mm-hmm. within you know a book obviously separate because that will go through like a publisher so that would have its own like copyrights and stuff but 
if there's something that's like a signature program or something that they offer, how about that or signature service? What type of yeah. protection do we need there? So what I would suggest is start with your like main brand element. And I think oftentimes we think like, oh, our logo, I need to do my logo too. Mm -hmm. Unless you're like a Nike or an Uh Adidas or, you know, an Apple, you know, maybe that's not where you need to start. And to be honest, a lot of us have moved to logos that are really just kind of typeface of our, you know, letters. My secondary logo is just the initials of my firm. So to me... I'm not as worried about that. What I want to protect is guide my business. So I have a trademark for guide my business. And then one of our big offerings is trademark. And we have really leaned into this whole concept of helping people understand that they can own their brand. And so we've trademarked own your brand because that's kind of one of our key slogans for our trademark practice. Right. And so think about those different elements. That is like a key piece. And that's something that I, if people here own your brand and I hear my clients say it back to me all the time, like, I can't wait to own my brand. When you, you have something like that, that sticks, that has some market awareness that has value. Right. And I think those elements are worth, are definitely worth protecting. So start with your business name. I want you to have that, that main phrase that people like, if they think of your business name, they're going to think of you. And then when we all have, like, there's so many online businesses that has like a great on, you know, signature course or signature program or, you know, that is something that I would absolutely consider Mm -hmm. because that is one of your main money makers. You need to protect that revenue source. And I also want people, this is going to be a little bit going a little further, but think about the opportunity to sell parts of your business, different revenue streams. Think about the opportunity to bring people in and enroll them in your vision and maybe license the right to, you know, coach the weight with your program or whatever it may be. When you have a trademark, you can protect that and you can, you can grant licenses and allow other people to use that. When otherwise what happens is if you just do that on the fly and you say, yeah, go ahead and you can just say like, you're a certified, you know, whatever coach or, you know, that's actually diluting the value of your name by asking people without a trademark and properly licensing it. You're actually like pushing it out into the world and being like, I don't own this. A bunch of people can use it. Right. So it's kind of counterintuitive. So what I want people to think of is protect your main revenue sources, mm-hmm. goods and services, whatever is that main driver and you'd be disappointed to lose, I want you to start there and then think about expanding all the time. Just for an example, for, for you guys to make it concrete, for example, you know, we have trademarked the modern mommy doc and then we have trademarked conflicted to centered, which is our main signature program that we do. We have other programs that we have, but they're less important to us and like our actual featured intellectual property that's just ours that has everything that kind of fits within it. And then we also have trademarked the Modern Mamas Club, which is, you know, our online platform and where we have community and where we have all of our signature items within it. So those are the three things that we've trademarked to make sure that then... Like you said, now we're entering into other partnerships, into other collaborations with people. Then we can use that to say, this is something that we bring that's a value that is uniquely ours. If you'd like Mm -hmm. to use it for your own benefit, amazing, but it comes at a cost because we own it. 
A hundred percent. I love, I love that you have taken those steps. For example, we all think of your favorite sports team. I don't have one because I don't like sports, but <laughs> yes, me either. <laughs> so think of your favorite sports teams or your alma mater or whatever it may be. Every time you see someone make a shirt that's not literally made by the school, that was licensed. The school owns the brand. They have licensed other people and they're making money. Why can't we do that in our own businesses? Why aren't we kind of stepping in and saying our stuff has value? Mm-hmm. So fun stat to share. And we can chat a little bit about copyright too, yeah. is with trademark. And I think this is largely, I love this because I feel like it's a mix of the value of the asset, protecting it, a mix of mindset and a mix of, of course, like revenue streams. Mm-hmm. There's a stat that says that business owners who trademark within the first year of their business, make three times as much revenue in the first five years than business owners that don't. Yeah. Tell me that that is not partially mindset. And then of course, all the other parts of owning and being able to monetize that asset. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned. As you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the app store. For sure. I think part of that is mindset of like, I am going to make this work come hell or high water. There have been so many times <laughs> that I already had the trademark. I already was legit with the business in terms of owning everything. But then, like, you know, maybe things aren't going so well in that season financially. You're, you're kind of at a loss of how, like, it, the path is going in a different direction than, than you thought it would. And I'm always reminding myself, like, nope, business owners that keep at it are the ones that end up successful And having that trademark behind it really did set me up as like, I am a legitimate Mm -hmm. business owner. And so I need to see it through, you know, I don't want to put myself into like mountains of debt to see it through, but that (laughs) I got to keep pushing through this season or listen to what my audience is saying and tweak things or find other collaborations or whatnot. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's the perfect way to approach it because I think oftentimes we, it's really easy to start our, our, you know, new business or our side hustle. And I think it's really easy for us to treat it kind of like a lemonade stand. When we were little, we told people we had a business, let's just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And you feel like it's just going to come in, but instead, what if we made some of those initial investments? We decided on what we wanted, like what we wanted to do. We got clear and we started making those initial steps. And I think that that's going to just be a totally different shift in the way you show up in your business for anyone else. Who's wondering like, okay, I know I need a trademark, but like what else Mm -hmm. I would all, I always want you to also have an LLC. You can go and register that. I do not suggest you go through a third party, go directly to your social, your secretary of state's office 
or your corporation commission's office. It's different in every state. So Google like Arizona, you know, corporation commission mm-hmm. and see what comes up or secretary of state, see what comes up. The price is different in every state, but that's creating a separate entity from yourself. So it's no longer you out there. Those business assets, those business liabilities are now going to live in the bucket for your entity. And I like to think of business entities like buckets, smaller buckets actually allows you to think about exit strategies for particular businesses. It allows you to house assets and liabilities so that those liabilities or something goes wrong. It doesn't touch other parts of your other businesses or your personal life. So that would be one of the most foundational items. And then you can get an EIN for free, which is basically like your business social security number from the irs.gov website. You have to get it during business hours because the IRS knows how to make it complicated. (laughs) Oh yes. Nothing's easy with the IRS. (laughs) No, but it's free. And those elements together are going to set you up thinking about owning your brand and really investing in that image that you see in your head and that brand, those are the most like basic elements that are going to set you up to scale. Because as you bring on employees, that EIN is going to come in handy. As you want to go get your business phone number, that EIN and business entity is going to come in handy. And then actually we always hear S-Corps. That's just a tax selection. That's some nice piece of paper that your accountant is going to file with the IRS for you. I can't help you with. (laughs) And that is going to allow you to save money on self-employment taxes. When you hit, my accountant likes to save $50,000 profit. And by having your LLC, your EIN, your business bank account, you're setting yourself up for those different steps and graduation moments in your business. Mm-hmm. Do people have to have a business checking account to have a legitimate business? Could they use their own personal checking account and have things that are coming into their personal checking account versus into a business checking account? Does it matter? The answer is yes, but I'm going to tell a little story. One of my best business friends, when they launched their business, they were like, all right, we've got a business. They got their first check. It was made out to their business name. And then they took it to the bank And they were like, we want to cash this check. And they were like, yeah, we can't. And they were like, why? Like, look, we have our first check. And they're like, yeah, it has your business name on it. And you don't have a bank account for that. So Mm -hmm. remember one of the most basic things. And of course, there's a lot of online payments now. But know that one of the most basic things is people are going to want to write checks and process money. And they're going to want to see when they, you know, get charged on their credit card. They're going to want to see your business name. They're not going to necessarily want to see your business, your name personally. So that's one element. And I think the other thing to think about it too is where's your mindset if you're not thinking it's worth it to Mm -hmm. put the assets, you know, to put that all in its own bank account. There's actually a lot of value to building your business credit. And I think though this is not my area and your accountant or bookkeeper would be very happy with you because oftentimes it really is easy to miss, you know, different deductions and things that can be withheld. Like there's just so many ways that you might be missing write-offs if it's mixed in, like if the target run for the business is mixed in with your target run for God knows what we thought we needed at target, right? If those (laughs) are all mixed in together, then it's going to be really hard to capture. So I think opening a business bank account, putting a little bit of like your savings for your like initial investments Mm -hmm. is like a really good, like fresh step. And then this way, it's not something you have to go back and do. I'm a huge fan of do what you need to do to get started and feel good. 
my parents own their own business and they did record storage when before we like the cloud existed. So good thing they sold because at some point, I just don't know. I don't know what, what happened to that business, but they sold it. Their first client, then when they brought them through the warehouse, they had empty boxes folded up and they were like, and this is our storage system. And this is how we do it because <laughs> they wanted to like, they wanted the people to know, like, we already have a plan in place. Like we've done, we've yeah. done this before. We're old pros. No one necessarily wants to be your first client. So mm-hmm. I think there's a little element of fake it to make it, have yes. your business bank account to put their check into when you first get it, have a contract. If you're a service provider, have a little bit of inventory, or I love like pre-sale items yeah. of your product. So you can see what the demand is and make your initial order based on that. There are so many great ways to test kind of that minimal viable product but have the system behind it so that you're not scrambling the first time you get an order or the first time you get a contract mm-hmm. or a client or the first time you get paid, have a, have a little bit of a system. And you know, it's, it's fun to kind of build that out so that you know that when you get that, you can put your effort towards delivering the product or service. Yes, absolutely. I can attest to that in terms of having all of your expenses for the business come from one place all of the income come from one place when it's time for taxes. That makes it so much simpler for everybody. You're going to save so much time. And also, yes, legitimizing, you know, you don't want it to show up on somebody's credit card statement that it's from Whitney Caceres. Like you want it to show up from modern mommy dog. And similarly, when you have that LLC, when you do contracts, especially with larger organizations, but also with smaller ones, it's really nice to be able to put as the signer, like, it's modern mommy. It's this contract is between modern mommy doc and this organization, as opposed to it's between me as an individual and the organization, you know, best Lauren, but that reduces your liability a hundredfold. A hundred percent. It having that entity is going to reduce your liability. And, and people go, well, I haven't made money yet. That's like the biggest thing I hear to like wanting to make these investments. Well, any business activity, even if it's an activity that's not making money, is still a business activity and a possible liability. Mm-hmm. So I want you to think about getting those few things in place before you get started, because then you're going to feel a lot safer. And it's so funny. I want everyone to listen to what you just said, because I sold clients that are four years into business that occasionally will send me a contract like, hey, can you tell me if we're good to sign this? And I'll be like, well, your business name needs to be in the intro, not your personal name. And I think that that's a reflection of, you know, we love this. I love this small business area where we start to feel like we're friends. We know the person Mm -hmm. behind the business, Mm -hmm. but remember if you have an entity, make sure that that's how you're contracting. It should be your business name only. Of course, you are going to sign your name at the dotted line at the bottom Mm -hmm. on behalf of the business. That's only because the business can't sign for themselves. Right. Okay. Let's talk briefly about copyrights. Two. What do we need to know about copyrights? That feels like a little bit more nebulous because it's less of like a registering thing. Yes. So you can still register a copyright, but that's often going to be like you said, for a book, it's going to be for intellectual property that, you know, you're going to put out there and really monetize. We have some clients that we definitely register their copyrights, but the cool thing about copyright is that the moment you create a body of work, you are automatically the copyright owner. 
So it's just this natural right that comes from being a creator. And so I want people to recognize that, that like the content, like literally your Instagram post that you wrote this morning, that's yours. The the graphic that you put together, that's Mm -hmm. yours. The, The picture that you took, you know, that's yours. All of those things are yours. And if someone's taking them, they're actually infringing on your copyright and you have the right to defend yourself and you should, because as business owners, we have to do the uncomfortable thing sometimes and learn to advocate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing I want to people to really take away when it comes to copyright, because it's really clear and easy, right? If I create something, I own it. Well, what happens when an employee creates something or an independent Mm -hmm. contractor. Often when we're starting a business, we get these really smart people that help us create the things, right? Mm -hmm. And because maybe that's not our strength. Make sure that when you sign up to work with an independent contractor, that in their agreement, you own the copyright of the work that they create for you. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes there's a misunderstanding and this especially goes with photographers and I love photographers, Mm -hmm. but someone once told them that they need to own all of their copyright. And unfortunately, I have to respectfully disagree. I think what they're trying to protect is their ability to build a portfolio, the ability to promote their work, the ability to understand how their work is going to be used. And that can still be done well with the business that hired them owning the copyright and the photographer or the other content creator, whatever we're talking about, having a license to display it in their portfolio and tag the business that they created it for. So there's actually a lot of opportunities to really own your intellectual property. And why I want you to own it is when your business grows, because it is give yourself the moment to realize Mm -hmm. that your business is going to grow and evolve and it's going to be better than better than it was yesterday. Not always Mm going to feel that way, but it will. I want you to be able to own that content. And I don't want you to wait until you're too far down the road to take it seriously. So if I can, if you can learn one thing about copyright, it's be willing to advocate and look for that, that section in a contract with an, someone who's going to help you create content that you're going to use in your business and make sure you know that you own the copyright. And if it's not in the contract, make sure it gets in there. That's like the number one thing I hope people take away. Yes. And we have invested money also in having an attorney like create contracts for us that they have put the language in there because sometimes the things that I think are clear are not as clear. (laughs) I've saved money. I don't know how Lauren's going to feel about this, but I've saved money by (laughs) creating a like version of the contract that I think is okay. And then sending it and having someone bill me hourly to review it and change it all. And, you know, so there are absolutely ways to do it that way as well. It doesn't have to start from scratch with, with someone who's helping you. But that really, then I feel so confident if I'm going to somebody else as a contractor or if I'm the contractor with them, but then I have a very, very clear understanding of what's mine, what's theirs, how I can use it. And that I know it would be, be I don't want to go to court, but that if I had to at some time, that I would know that I had the backing of legal guidance in creating those documents. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. It's really easy. And I get it to be like, Ooh, that stuff makes me feel uncomfortable. But I want to remind people that the one time you don't get paid, the one time that someone, you know, takes your content or you can't use something, the one time that, you know, you don't get paid and you have to hire somebody to help you collect the money because you didn't have an interest clause in there or the right to get reimbursed for costs of collections. 
your contract would have been worth it. It would have paid for Mm -hmm. itself. And I trust me, I hope that things don't go wrong in your business very often. And they don't always, but know that unfortunately my job wouldn't exist if everyone got along all the time. Mm-hmm. You're bound. It's like, it's like driving your car. You're bound every once in a while to get in a little fender bender. It's just part of life. It doesn't mm-hmm. you know, reflect necessarily on your business, but what can we do to protect ourselves from that one time something goes wrong? I want you, if you're a service provider, to protect your boundaries and, you know, have office hours, forms of communications, you know, have responsibilities on your client on what they have to provide you for you to do your best work. I want you to have a really clear compensation section. I want you to have the ability to add interest if they're late in paying or suspend services and be reimbursed for costs of collection if you have to go after them over and over an email back and forth. I want I don't want that time to be for nothing because that number oftentimes I find that people aren't willing to they're not rushing to go pay and late mm-hmm. invoice if it, the invoice isn't getting bigger. Mm-hmm. So I wish it wasn't that way, but that's just how it is. So yeah. those small investments can pay dividends. And I really do think most business owners, it sounds really scary, but you probably only need a few tools in your toolbox. And once you have those, you are going to have this different level of confidence to show up in your business. I didn't realize I was going to get deep on this podcast episode, but here we go. I mean, like you guys, this is what basically modern mommy talk is all about, right? It's about setting boundaries that protect your worth. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about from a legal sense of figuring out what are the boundaries, stating them clearly, and then having a consequence for when those boundaries are crossed or not respected and doing it with the help of someone who actually knows what the boundary should be and how to word it correctly. So that way they will be respected. There will be a consequence that can actually be, be taken seriously. I hear all the time. I'll ask clients, I'll say, you know, Hey, how do you, what's your best form of communication or what are your office hours? Or do you text with clients? And they'll be like, well, right now I kind of, I'm like, no, no. Like what would make you work best? Because right. that's the boundary that we want to set. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I have one last super quick question because I think people have this question and then and then we'll close. What about when you have a trademark or a copyright or it's your, your information for the copyright, does it have to be displayed on all of your logos, on all of your paperwork, on your entire website in order to be legit? Good question. Okay. So your content is your content. If you forgot to leave off like on a copyright, if you forgot to leave off like the circle C, you know, the the copyright symbol, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But think about those symbols as putting people on notice. So most oftentimes you'll see, if you scroll to the bottom of the website, you'll see the business name and a a copyright symbol. Mm -hmm. That's a really great use in books or pamphlets that maybe you're giving clients or your online course. That would be a really great use. You can actually register copyrights for like your eBooks and that might be a really good idea. The benefit of registering is that constructive notice. So have it, but having those symbols on there is like telling the world, Hey, I am protecting this. So those go a long way. If you forget it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. What I want you to do is like you have, you, know, you pull out something that is like a established brand, like Nike. It's going to have the the registered R, the 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 registered symbol, and usually the right hand side, usually subscript or superscript, 
for the logo. And that's how I want you to use it. So I, I really do want you to use the registration symbol if you have a registered trademark. You can't use it before you have a registered trademark. You can, that's when you'll see people use a TM. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a common law way of saying, hey, I'm interested in protecting this. But just know that that does not have the same rights as having a registered trademark. If someone said they didn't know that you existed, that's a defense to a common law trademark. I didn't know you existed. A registered trademark, that doesn't exist. That's what you're paying for by having a registered mark. So if you forget it, no, it's not going to mean that you don't have value. But know that if you don't protect your intellectual property, even if you have a registered mark, you can lose it. If it becomes so commonplace that you can't reel it back in, you actually don't have the right at all. Kleenex is a really great example. We mm-hmm. all say, hey, give me a Kleenex. It doesn't matter what the brand is. The brand has lost value because it became a common phrase. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you exclusively continue to advocate for your brand and you'll own it, even if sometimes you forget or it doesn't look quite right. But I would say, put it on like the header of your website. That would be a must to me or a few of your key elements. And if in a few places you don't have it, that's fine. Awesome. Okay. This has been so helpful. Lauren, thank you for being here. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you if they are interested in really diving into this further and learning more about working potentially with you. A hundred percent. So you can find me and kind of all the links to the things on Instagram at the Lauren Boyd. I also have a really cute four month old. So you can see some cute baby pictures, but I also have a, we have a firm Instagram page. It's at guide my business. And we're putting out content at least twice a week on copyright, trademark employees, like basically answering all of our most commonly asked questions. And so that's a really good thing to just follow along with. And maybe you'll learn something and it'll be that red flag for you later on in in business. But that would be a really great resource. And from those, you can find our website, guidemybusiness.co. And that's how you would work with our team. We really enjoy small businesses. And just if anyone gets anything out of this, I want you to advocate for yourself. I want you to know your worth and take a few steps to protect it. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Doc podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Doc. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.